With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters is on the air. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure-earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time as entrepreneur, author, speaker Deborah Hartnett showcases the triumphant journey of these powerful sisters. You'll be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278 or listen live 24 hours a day at www.wealthysisters.com. Now, our host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to Wealthy Sisters Radio, sponsored by Wealthy Sisters Media Group. You can always visit us at www.wealthysistersmedia.com. That's Wealthy Sisters, S-I-S-T-A-S, media.com. Please visit us there for all your branding and publishing needs. Wealthy Sisters Radio is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women, and our purpose, you know, is twofold. First, that's right, we love to provide inspiration and encouragement to you, the dynamic listener, and to provide that practical knowledge so that you can apply it right now to affect your life positively, impact your business as well. Also, you know, we got to, we have to, it is an absolute must to provide this platform to promote and acknowledge and say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live on the Worldwide Blog Talk Network, and today is Monday, November the 5th, 2012. Wow, this is next to the last month of the year. Can you believe it, 2012? I'm telling you, this year has gone by so fast. Well, you know what? I hope that you are truly as excited about your future, beginning with the present right now, because trust me, it is extremely bright. I mean, no matter, no matter what it looks like. And we definitely want to send all of our prayers and all of our support and um, just want to encourage everyone right now to continue to donate to the Red Cross to support all of our, our sisters and brothers there on the East Coast and New York and New Jersey and all who were affected by the storm last week. And, and definitely we want to um, remind everybody of our civic duty tomorrow. Wow, we have another presidential election coming up tomorrow, November the 6th, and want to just encourage you to go on, even if it's raining and snowing, whatever, in your area. This is a serious, serious thing for us to do, to stand up and to go ahead and exercise all of our rights, and that is to vote. So definitely want to encourage everybody for doing that uh, tomorrow. Well, you know we are here every week at the same time. That's right, Mondays, 12 noon Eastern. So we thank you, as always, for spreading the word. And also, you know, it's a lot of great things that's happening here in the month of November. Of course, we're all excited about the holiday season kicking off. But this happens to be the third year that Small Business Saturday is taking place. Yes, it's sponsored by American Express. And between Black Friday and Cyber Monday is a day to dedicate supporting small businesses nationwide. Last year, over 100 million people came to de- together to shop small in their communities for the Small Business Saturday. So I want to encourage everybody to go to Small Business Saturday there on Facebook, Small Business, or Shop Small on Facebook. Find out, join it, and make sure you plan on November the 24th. That Saturday, November 24th, between Cyber Monday and Black Friday, to definitely support the small businesses in your area. Well, today, you know, we talked a little bit about our civic duty and voting tomorrow. Well, today we're going to have some lessons in business civics, I should say, uh, and also estate planning. Man, this is going to be another awesome show. We have none other than attorney Ethel Mitchell. She's a lawyer with over 30 years of experience. 
And I just want to stop right now and tell you, not not so much as her experience what has impressed me, because she has a very, very impressive resume, but you can tell her commitment and her passion to helping those across the country with matters of wills, trust, powers of attorney, and estate planning. And her focus happens to be in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, but she, I'm telling you, her experience takes her nationwide. Um, and, and we're going to talk about these things today because it is so important. A lot of times we don't like to talk about family planning and what will happen when we pass on or business succession, which we definitely need to talk about with our businesses. It's not so much as, you know, if we pass away, but what if we decide to retire? All those things need to be in place. And so we have none other, like I said, than Miss Ethel, Attorney Ethel Mitchell today that's going to share that with us. And just to let you know, she's a graduate of Fisk University, Columbia, Columbia Law School, and uh, she's also has her CFP. So even though she says she's not practicing, she stays up to date on uh, her certified financial planning so that she can bring a holistic point of view and a more comprehensive point of view to all of her clients. And we are not going to hold her much longer from you. We're going to take a short break and come right back and bring on the show today our special guest, Ms. Ethel Mitchell, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. Business leaders, are you ready to soar? Success is not defined by your wings, but by your courage to leap from the cliff's edge and fly. With Fortune 500 expertise, the Beatty Group partners with creative and motivated leaders, weaving structure and innovation for maximum business success. Visit us at thebeattygroup.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-T-I-E group.com. Or call the Beatty Group at 877-264-7699. Yes, we are live and we're having to be back here on the Wealthy Sisters. Glad to have each and every one of you all on the line today. Want to as always say thank you for dialing in. Thank you for chatting in here in the chat room. We appreciate you. And just want to thank everybody for all of the great reviews we received last month for our special October all-male guest panel. I want to invite everybody to go download all of our shows. You can always go to iTunes. Yes, we are there on iTunes free. You can listen to it on your smartphones, and you can always follow us on Twitter and Facebook under Wealthy Sisters. And if you've just logged into the Blog Talk Network there, go ahead and click follow right there so that you can get a reminder of our show. Well, I tell you today, we are thrilled to have our guests on the line. Hello to Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Welcome to Wealthy Sisters. Good morning. Thank you very much, Deborah. I am very honored and pleased to be here with you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we thank you for taking time out of your schedule today and uh, sharing great information with us. You know, as I share with you, I'm excited about this topic. It's it's like putting that nail, that last little piece, and making sure everything is laser beam focused and just right so that uh, we can continue to build all of our businesses uh, nationwide. We have a a great audience, by the way. I have to let you know that. They call in from all over and download, like I said, from all over, literally, the world. So I know that they're going to be thrilled to get the info from you today. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Deborah. Um, And, you know, I'll go ahead. Uh Well, there's one thing I wanted to... I heard your introduction. I just wanted to correct something. I don't Mm -hmm. do financial planning. Mm-hmm. I have the CFP, but I didn't mm-hmm. keep it up after about 10 years when I realized I wasn't really using it. I work with other financial planners, okay? Okay. So yes. I was just going okay, to make great. that clear. Okay? Oh, I just great, legal great. Piece, Clarity okay? is important. Yes, I'm going to yes. make that clear, yeah. But I yes, do work with yes. a lot of other financial planners. I do. Okay, great, great. Well, I think it's great that you took the time to go ahead and get that CFP so that you can have a, a broader uh, perspective when you're dealing with your clients. That's really oh, important. Oh, it really helps. It helps mm-hmm. a lot. And it helps mm-hmm. when I work with their planners also. But mm-hmm. I work with a lot of people who don't have planners as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it definitely brought well, my, my base. Well, that's great. Well, listen, you know, we here at Wealthy Sisters, we always say we are nosy. We like to know the ins and outs of how you got started, you know, what made you uh, become an attorney, where did you grow up, and, 
you know, we always say kind of what, what ingredient, ingredients went into the recipe of what we see today. Of, uh... <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I was born in Texas, raised mm-hmm. in Louisiana, uh, went to boarding school in the middle of the French quarters in, in St. Mary's Academy in New Orleans. Um, wow. Then I went to Fisk for undergraduate, went to Columbia for law school, and after law school took a job in St. Thomas of the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, clerking for Judge Elmer Christian, who was the federal chief judge at that time. I opened my office uh, at the end of that and did a general practice of law, civil. I, I never liked criminal law, but I did mainly civil. And during my practice, I realized that a lot of families did not know how to manage their assets and did not know how to grow their businesses so that they were available for the next generation and so on. And that's mm-hmm. really how I I got into the CFP, because there were no mm-hmm. financial planners at that time. Uh, in 83, I think I got my CFP, and it was by correspondence even. There wasn't even a, a class. I used to say I had the most expensive one going, because I'd fly <laughs> to New York or Miami to take the test, you know. Oh, and, oh, wow. um, but I never, I never did financial planning. A lot of firms approached me about it, but I, I'm a lawyer, and I couldn't mm-hmm. see doing both, you know, very well. But I would work mm-hmm. with people, and it certainly increased my knowledge base in terms of looking at, you know, what people's options were. Uh, mm-hmm. I always liked families. I always liked helping people to protect themselves and protect their families. And so when I moved to the States in 96, um, 95, Hurricane Maryland hit, and uh, I used to say it took four hurricanes to blow me out of there. So I did come back <laughs> up to the States and uh, moved around a bit. I eventually landed in D.C. in late 99, worked with the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation for three years, and then in 2003 opened my own office in D.C., wow. got barred in Maryland and in Virginia. And uh-huh. decided that I would only do, this is the only kind of work I do, I only mm-hmm. do wills, trust, estate planning, and probate having to do with those kinds of things, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is all I do. And, and I love the fact that I can help guide people to secure themselves because there are things you can do while you're alive to secure yourself if you become sick. And then, of course, to guide your legacy, you know, at the right. time of your demise. And all of us are going to go. So, you know, if you can have control over it, I recommend that you do because then right. it's going to go the way you want it to go, not the way some court or just haphazardly, shall we say. Um, right. So that's right. what I that's, and I love doing it. I love doing it. I meet the most amazing people. I love my clients. And, uh and it's exciting to me. It may sound foolish, but it's very exciting to me. Because each no, one is different. Yeah, it's important. Each one it's is important. Different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And important. and I I like I like the fact that you know you bring a lot of enthusiasm to it um, because I, I know different cultures feel different ways about this whole concept of passing on and and legacies and and things of that nature. Tell 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 me why do you think it's hard for people to take the time or what is it about um individuals not really wanting to sit down to plan what have, what what are some of your experiences you you found I don't know if there's any one reason um mm-hmm. uh it's not necessarily a pleasant subject to contemplate you know your mm-hmm. own life mm-hmm. um uh i think a lot of it is just life happens people are busy mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if you have your own business there is always something else you need to be doing. And there's right. always something else that you can do. You know what I mean? And so right. it's only when you really stop to think about it, what would happen to my child if I wasn't here? Or what would right. happen to my mother or my father? What would happen to the loved ones who are are not necessarily totally dependent on me, but, you know, expecting or using or, or needing the help that I provide? And, and when when that hits you, I think, and it can happen because of an illness. It can happen because a good friend 
uh, passes suddenly. One of my best mm-hmm. friends didn't wake up three Mondays ago. Just did mm-hmm. not wake up. You know, mm-hmm. and he was in good health. I'd seen him mm-hmm. the day before. He was mm-hmm. 57 years old. He just mm-hmm. did not wake up, you know, mm-hmm. and left a wife and four four boys. You know, mm-hmm. so that's the kind of thing that kind of jars you into, whoa, I, maybe I need to think about this. Maybe I need to mm-hmm. do something about it. And I think that uh, especially those of us who have relatively smaller businesses, there is also a lack of knowledge about what can I do. If you're a sole business owner, you may not know what to do. You may not know how to protect your business and or your assets at the time of your death. There's a lot of information out there if you're a big corporation you know, about business succession planning. And there are a lot of companies that will sell you these big life insurance policies and key man policies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of employees and stuff. But what about the young or, or the, the, the smaller business that may be a very good business, you know, but it only mm-hmm. has two, three, four, maybe one real person? There's not a lot of information out there for that kind of business succession planning. And and so I think it's there's a lack of information that okay. um, feeds into it as well. Yeah. Well, what are some of the things that could happen? A person um, passes away. They have one of those types of businesses that you mentioned. I mean, what 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 are some of the things, like I said, that could happen, or what what should they be okay. planning okay. for okay. to okay. protect let's start, themselves? Let's start on the let's start with the basics. Okay. On the individual side, on every okay. adult individual should have, at the very least, a last will and testament, mm-hmm. a durable power of attorney, an advanced medical directive. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's basic, okay. personal, responsible adult legal documents. Okay? Okay. While okay. you're alive, you need to appoint someone who you trust to be your power of attorney who can sign your checks, take care of your, you know, financial and legal matters if you walk out of here and have a car accident. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's mm-hmm. just basic, durable power of attorney, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and that can be anybody. Uh, it can be your brother. It can be your sister. It can be your mother. It can be your husband. It can be your your good friend, whoever you know that you trust because that person will have the ability to sign your name and take care of your business. And it can be what we call a springing power of attorney, meaning it doesn't become effective until Mm -hmm. or unless two doctors say you can no longer take care of your own affairs. Now, let me ask you right, right, to interrupt you one moment there, forgive me, Mm -hmm. but you said husband. You said husband be. or wife. So, so you know, I know a lot of times people think automatically, oh, I married no, this person, no. then, you know, automatically they think it's Not necessarily at all. Mm-hmm. I have had mm-hmm. situations where uh, a, a man is in the hospital and his wife could not get any information from his job, even about his benefits, mm-hmm. because she did not mm-hmm. have his power of attorney. Mm-hmm, 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 you see, mm-hmm, if you're mm-hmm. on the same bank account, you might be able to write checks. Mm-hmm, but when mm-hmm. it comes to accessing the the legal matters having to do with your spouse, you may not be able to do that if your name is not on that particular document or in mm-hmm. that particular circumstance. So, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. you cannot assume that. Mm-hmm. Use a power of attorney to make sure. Okay, mm-hmm. because a mm-hmm. lot of times you really cannot. Okay, mm-hmm. and then there okay. is the health power of attorney, which is similar, but it is for health reasons. Okay, again, there are two parts of it. One is the living will. You mm-hmm. need to say if you want to be on life support or not. Mm-hmm. Don't leave mm-hmm. that to somebody else. That's okay? right. You don't want anybody else to make that decision about whether to pull the plug or not. Okay, mm-hmm. you should say these are the circumstances, and this is what I want you to do in these circumstances. And then you choose either keep me alive as long as you can, or let me go. Or whatever it is, you make that choice in writing. 
And then Mm -hmm. secondarily, you appoint the person that you want to be able to to be your HIPAA agent, meaning the doctors are allowed to talk to them, give them medical information, can sign releases, can move you in and out of hospitals or get new doctors for you and so on like that. So, Mm -hmm. So those are the documents that are really necessary and critical while you are alive. And I want to bring out and stress the point. You said two different things there as far as the power of attorney. You need to have both the medical and that because just because you have one doesn't mean that you can do the other. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Now, another thing to realize, and a lot of people get this confused, when you die, your power of attorney dies with you. Okay. A lot of people think they have power of attorney for their mother or their spouse or whatever, and so after they die, they can continue to use it. No. As soon as the person who gave them that power expires, the power of attorney expires also. Okay. Okay? Okay. At death, the documents that you need are your last will and testament and or your trust. Okay. Your last will and testament appoints or says who will be the executor or personal representative. So you name who is in charge to take care of your assets. But the will acts with the power and authority of the court. So that will has to be filed in court, and the court issues, they're called letters of administration or certificates, or it's a formal document with the seal of the court on it, and that is the authority given to your appointed personal representative or executor to then go to the bank, take over whatever assets you may own, and distribute mm-hmm. them according to the terms of your will. And that's okay? given to the executor of the will. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. They have control, but it means that they have to follow the terms of your will. Mm-hmm. In the mm-hmm. absence of a will, the court will appoint someone and there are what's called laws of intestacy, which means every state says if a person dies without a will, this is who gets their stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's different in different states. Mm-hmm. So unless you want to take your chances that the law is going to give your stuff to who you want, because it may not, you know, you don't want to do that. You want to say mm-hmm. who's in charge and you want to say who gets what. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm, you really do mm-hmm. want to do that, and that's really the only way to protect your assets and to protect your loved ones to to at least give authority and control to the persons that you want who you know who's going to manage your stuff the way you want okay mm-hmm. now, that's now let right. me ask you oh, let me ask you this so now, where do you keep these documents because you know if you pass away and no one knows that you had a will and it's and you know how how even with the living medical directive and the durable power of attorney, where would a person keep those documents? Well, so when I do my the documents for my clients, mm-hmm. if they want, I will make a notebook for them. It's a three okay. ring binder that has plastic sleeves, and I put the original and a copy of each of the documents in this three ring binder. I also mm-hmm. ask them to put a copy of their deed a copy of their financial records, like one statement from each bank account, savings, Mm -hmm. retirement, life insurance policy, maybe even a copy of the car title. Anything that somebody would need to get to if you were to die or become incapacitated. And then I tell them that they need to either give copies of these documents to the persons that you have appointed or tell them where they are kept. Mm -hmm. You can keep them in your home, in a metal box, you know, it can be anywhere you want. We say metal simply so it's fireproof. It doesn't have to be expensive. You can just stick it under your bed. You can tell your sister or whoever you've pointed, this is where I keep my stuff at. Right. And you get it. In Maryland, you are allowed to file your will in the vault of the court. The, the The register of wills will accept the original wills for safekeeping. They're not okay. opened until the person dies, but they can be kept there. 
D.C. does not do that, and I don't think Virginia does either. I'm just not sure. Don't quote me on that. But right. I always tell people, keep your own stuff. Years ago, lawyers used to keep people's original wills, uh, uh-huh. but I don't do that, and and I don't think you need to be looking for me if you die. You know what I mean? Your family needs right. to know where your stuff is. Uh, right, so right. It, it doesn't have to be a cloak and dagger thing unless you have good reason to believe somebody's going to try to steal your stuff, you know. Right, Then you right. can always use a safety deposit box. But even that, I say, put somebody else's name on the box and give them a key. Because otherwise, when you die, they're going to lock that box down. And we have to go to court in order to even open the box. Okay. I guess I was just wondering, like, you know, if you, you, you trust the person, and but if, let's say, if I had someone that it was a medical directive and that I named them my health power attorney. and Don't you usually um, give them copies of that? Yeah. And oh, you but can I'm also just, give your health power attorney to your doctor. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Give a copy Should I give it to my to doctor? doctor? Because yeah. what if that's that person <laughs> is not doing what I thought they would do? You know what I mean? And, and, then and you change them. You take them off. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. at, at that point, I couldn't <laughs> if I needed it, you know. So, oh, okay. oh you that's see what you I'm saying? Be careful who you appoint. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. must be very that's careful. To bring that point out. These are mm-hmm. very, very powerful documents. Mm-hmm. And you want to be very careful who you appoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you want to be mm-hmm. careful. And you can always change them as long as you're confident to do so. Right, right, okay? right. You can always change okay. them. But... Okay. Um, a trust is a good document that gives you control. In a trust, you say, you know, I appoint myself as trustee and myself as beneficiary. A trust has a be- trustee and a beneficiary. And I appoint my friend or my husband, my sister, whoever you want, as my successor trustee. Okay. So when I become incapacitated, they can take over my assets and manage them for myself. And then okay. when I die, I've said in my trust, this is what I want you to do. Let's say you have a minor child. Your trust would say, okay, let's say it's your brother. I direct my brother as my trustee to manage my money and my assets for the benefit of my child. He's to pay for her education or his education, you know, grammar school, high school, whatever you have, uh, college, uh, postgraduate. If they need assistance with the down payment of a on a car or down payment on a house, uh, and then you can say when they reach certain ages, they can receive percentages of the money. And you mm-hmm. see that way you can not only put your assets in the trust, you can even have your life insurance payable to your trust if you want. Mm-hmm. That way, that mm-hmm. money is available to the trustee to take care of your minor child. Well, it could be anyone. It could be your mother, your brother, your a disabled person, or whoever you care for and you want to make, you know, arrangements for. But it's not their money. You okay. see, when you name your brother as the beneficiary, it becomes his money. And that, oh, and he that can do whatever he money, wants. He can do whatever he wants. His creditors become get access to it. Mm. You know, if he doesn't pay Say his taxes, again, or his he has creditors. outstanding, and the wow. money that you put aside for your child's education is gone. Wow. But if it's in a trust, then it's not his money. And your child, even when he or she becomes of age, can sue him if he didn't do what he was supposed to do with it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if there's enough money involved, and you don't have to have a million dollars, you can also appoint a bank or a trust company to work mm-hmm. either with the per, the individual or as the trustee. They mm-hmm. will also manage your, your, your money for the benefit of your children or your mother or friend, disabled, whoever you want to benefit after your death. Mm-hmm. So there are all mm-hmm. kinds of, of ways of structuring your trust to give you control over your assets after your death, and benefit the person that you want at the time of, you know, your choosing. Uh, okay. Now, let's go on the business succession planning because this is, okay. we can keep but, going on that yes. piece as well unless you want to ask a question first. Yeah, I do have a question I want to ask about the trust as far as um, 
having, what is it that I hear a lot of times if you have a trust, um, you don't have to, you, I guess, reduce the probate fees that um, you normally would have to do with if just having a will? Um, what is this well, dialogue around? The, what, 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 you're, what I think they're trying to say is if a trust is created mm-hmm. and you transfer title to your assets into your trust, let's say mm-hmm. you have a single person who has mm-hmm. a home and they mm-hmm. have bank accounts. And so when their trust is created, I would actually do a deed from themselves to themselves as trustee of their trust. But that does okay. put their, their property into their trust. We would do letters to their banks, and it says, please make my myself as trustee the owner of this bank account. You can do that with anything but a retirement account. You can't do that with a retirement account. But let's mm-hmm. say your checking account, brokerage accounts, and so on are put into your trust that way. You can even have your life insurance policy make the trust a beneficiary of it. And so what they're trying to say is that at your death, if it's already in the trust, there is no need to probate those assets. Okay. okay. Because okay. your successor trustee is already, as far as the law concerned, the whole the title holder of those assets and they have control and authority to distribute them the way you've directed them to do. Okay. So okay. you don't have to go through probate, you don't have the probate fees. It does not, however, reduce any estate taxes, if any, you may have okay. to pay. Okay. Okay. So okay. with a revocable trust, the law considers that you own that because you have such control over it. And so if you owe a debt, you still have to pay that debt or your trustee mm-hmm. has to pay that debt. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you um but that's why they're saying you don't and you also don't have the delay that's often associated with probate. Okay? I did mm-hmm. one a couple of weeks ago. The mother had called me about six months ago and they knew she was dying, but she was perfectly competent. But she knew she only had two weeks to a month to live. And so I hurried up and did a trust, put her deed into the ho- you know, into the trust. Um, she had already made arrangements for her bank accounts to go the way she wanted them to go. And so when she did die, uh, I met with the daughter for an hour and a half, and we did the deed to go where she wanted it to go. The only thing we had left out was the car, so I did the papers for the small estate for the daughter to do, and that was it. Mm. There was okay. no six-month waiting period. There was no anything, you know. It was it was a done deal. Her property had been distributed the way she wanted. Now, of course, she had adult beneficiaries. We didn't have children we had to take care of. She had made arrangements for her bank account. She had no debts, you know. Her mortgage had been right. paid off and everything. But, you know, right. so it made it very simple and very clean. But that's the kind of thing that can happen with a trust. Okay. And it's a okay. very powerful and effective tool. Yeah. And does it protect and you? And you don't have legally? to have a million dollars to do it, no. Oh, okay, okay. Well, so if someone were trying to sue you, does it protect that person uh, legally from, from from not being sued as well? An irrevocable trust might give you some protection, okay. but you've got to be real careful with those. You, you number one, and this is way beyond the subject, but you cannot defraud creditors with mm-hmm. trust. Okay, there's a fraudulent conveyance law in almost every state. So if you know you're about to be sued, you can't hurry up, or you shouldn't hurry up and try and put everything into a. Uh, irrevocable trust to avoid that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying people don't try and do it, but it's not mm-hmm. often effective. It's not often. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. it often mm-hmm. is not effective. I'll put it like that. So, mm-hmm. for creditor protection, what I'm doing is just talking about basic estate planning right now. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. It's it's mm-hmm. for people who you don't have to. Those are not the considerations. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, that's not what we're working with. And as a practical and a legal matter, 
with these those kinds of irrevocable trust. I mean, revocable trust that I'm talking about that can be changed. No, you would gain no liability protection by using a revocable trust. No. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking more of not so much. I hadn't thought about creditors, but you know, people slip and fall and. Or they, um, you know, uh, something happens with the business or what have you. So I was more thinking along. Those I always lines. tell my clients get liability insurance. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. best liability umbrella liability. You know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things mm-hmm. are where you're. At least I, that's what I mm-hmm. recommend, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you got a lot mm-hmm. of money, that you know, if you got a lot of money, you got more money than you need to live on, and mm-hmm. you can afford to move that money into a Delaware trust or, you know, that kind of planning, then, yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. you can use irrevocable trust, uh, asset protection trust to protect those excess assets from mm-hmm. the reach of creditors. But mm-hmm. you, I know in Delaware, I believe they still have the requirement that you actually sign an affidavit that, number one, you are not trying to defraud any creditors, and number two, by moving these assets will not render you unable. I'm I'm paraphrasing now, of course, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it will not Mm -hmm. render you unable to meet your obligations. Okay. So, yeah, I I, I don't mean to imply that that's not an option for some people. Right. uh, for most of my clients, that's not a viable option okay. that I would recommend. Okay. Okay. So now you want to move to the business succession. What is that yes, all about? Yes, let's and talk about that uh, while we can. Uh, number one, every person in business ought to be using the corporate format, whether it's mm-hmm. Inc., Corporation, or LLC. Okay? Mm-hmm. Any mm-hmm. kind of business that you do, you need to be doing business in that format that gives you the limited liability protection. Mm-hmm. And you need, I don't do corporations anymore, okay? But if you mm-hmm. are conducting business in any way that is not in that format, that is your first line of protection, okay? The, li- the limited liability uh, company or the corporation or Inc. is your first line of protection, Okay. Right. Then, in terms of succession planning, what you what you need to do is to first sit back one day with a cup of coffee and think about what would happen to my business if I died or I had a stroke. What would I want to happen? What is my exit strategy? Sometimes this is part of a retirement strategy as well. And then there are basically there are a lot of methods, of course, but. There are basically two different ways of of managing it, both of which involve entering into an agreement with somebody, either personally or a corporation, you know, LLC, uh, but somebody that would say, this is what's to happen when I die, or this is what's to happen if I become incapacitated, or this is what's going to happen five years from or 15 years from now, when I'm exiting this bad boy, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And basically what it is is an agreement. If Let's say you have partners. Let's say there are three people in a business. You have three partners. And let's just keep it simple, equal partners, okay? And what you really would like is to maintain the ownership among the three of you. And if one of you died, the other two would like at least the option to be able to maintain the business, okay? Okay. And then they can do what they want to afterwards. But let's say that's what you would like to do with it. So there are what we call cross-purpose, cross-purchasing agreements. You set up what's generally known as a buy-sell agreement. And what it says is partners one, two, and three agree that if either of them die, the survivors will buy the share of the deceased partner. And the way in which that share is to be calculated, the value of it, they define. 
Okay, that's, and that's, of course, very unique to the business. You can say either a number, it can be a percentage of growth, of, of you know, of gross income. It can be whatever is appropriate, okay? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you say the way in which this money is going to be paid to the estate of the deceased person, let's, for right now, let's say that's who it's going to be, is going to be through a life insurance policy. Okay. So each partner will take That's out. That's man. <laughs> well, it's key man is a little bit different. It's a <laughs> variation. It's one of the variations on what I'm talking about. It could be key man, but <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Okay. Okay. It's just basically a life insurance policy on each other's lives. Okay. 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 That each partner is the owner and the beneficiary of. So partner one takes out a life insurance policy on partner two and three. Mm -hmm. They are the Mm -hmm. owner and they are the beneficiary. Partner Mm -hmm. two takes out a life insurance policy on partners one and three. They're the owner and the beneficiary, and partner three does the same thing, okay? Mm -hmm. So when partner two dies, okay, then both of the partners receive cash money, from the life insurance company, and there is a written agreement that says what amount of that money is to be paid to, it could be the family, the estate of, the trust of, the deceased partner. You see what I mean? And yeah. so what happens mm-hmm. is instead of you having to deal with the husband, the wife, the family of your deceased partner, mm-hmm. which they don't really want to do that usually. They just want the money mm-hmm. usually that is lost because their loved one is no longer working with you and making money, you see. Mm-hmm. They get money and you maintain ownership of your business. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. But that's, mm-hmm. a, that's mm-hmm. just a very simple, clean-cut way of doing it. All right? A slight variation on that is called the entity purchase. And that's where instead of the partners buying the life insurance, the company buys the life insurance on each of the partners. So ABC, you know, LLC, you know, okay. or, you know now buys life insurance on each of the owners. Okay. So that if one of the owners dies, the money is paid to the company. The company then pays the family of the deceased person. Okay? They get the company gets the ownership interest of that family. And usually depend it, it varies with every company. You try to make it such that there's a extra amount of money there. Mm-hmm. So the company is able to continue to operate, maybe to hire a new person, new personnel or whatever, you know, to keep stay on its feet until they can either replace the income, the revenue, the contacts, the personnel, whatever is lost by this person when they die. But the whole idea of it is that the family gets the money right, and the company or the owners get to keep the company. Right, right, right. And okay. it, and it's no it shouldn't be much interruption in Exactly. Mhm. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. as part of that calculation, you try to estimate what the value of the business may be. Okay. You want to know what does that do to the expected estate tax liability of the deceased family? Because remember, those shares are still in the deceased family's estate as far Mm -hmm. as the government is concerned. Mm -hmm. And so what you're paying to that family is going to be part of the tax, the gross taxable estate. So if you're in a state like Maryland or Virginia that has a threshold of a million dollars, you can quickly get to the place where and that million dollars is everything that the deceased person owned. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you can quickly get to the point where 
there might be an estate tax that might be owed. And so you, of course, want to pay the family enough so that they've got enough to pay the taxes and have enough money to do what they'll need to do. Not to have to keep coming back. Yeah, so that that, I'm just saying it it, it may be a simple calculation, but it can get complicated in terms of just Mm -hmm. generating the number. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, there's always the calculation of, you know, what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Can the business afford to pay the life insurance and so on? But that's basically the kinds of thing that you you try to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, if let's say you have a one person firm, you might have a one person firm. That person may have employees, but really they are it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You might enter into a similar arrangement with a colleague who would be appropriate to take over and either manage your firm or close it out. Okay. You, might, you know, in other words, you might say, okay, um, you know, I, I find another lawyer who's similar to, whose practice is similar to mine. And maybe they may want to buy it or they may not, but I at least know that uh, they would take over my files and distribute my files to my clients close out my accounts, you know what I mean? And you may just want to do something like that. And, again, that might be the level of of, of business succession planning that might be appropriate. It really depends on the individual person and the business. It really does. So, but, but you um, could have a policy. They could could actually, you could get the policy that you're the owner of and make them – um, or the beneficiaries and have guidelines as to what that money w- w- is supposed to do for them to close mm-hmm. out, you know, okay, mm-hmm. and, and set up the for the pol- family. You can even, mm-hmm. even get more complicated than that. You, if you have a trust, you can pay mm-hmm. the policy into the trust. You can into direct the trust, the trust mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. pay, you know, a colleague number one uh, mm-hmm. a certain amount of money for six months, uh, mm-hmm. For the purpose of closing down my office, distributing my files, blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. it's done professionally. It's done appropriately. Um, and of course, you would make arrangements like this to make sure that they were okay with it. And, and it might be a cross arrangement where they would do the same thing for you. You know, mm-hmm. or maybe not. You know, it really does depend. It really mm-hmm. does. Depend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you have to be careful about each state's laws and what kind of a business it is. Right, right. have very strict restrictions on how you close down a law practice, you know. Right, uh, right. Accountants, you know, I, I, you know it, it, it really depends on what kind of business you have. Financial well, planners, yeah. I'm sure if you're affiliated with a, a company, it depends mm-hmm. on, you know, some people have franchises, some people are independent, some people mm-hmm. are in-house. You know, so mm-hmm. whatever you're doing in terms of succession planning with your business, it needs to be uh, consistent with the 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 rules and regulations of your That's particular business. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. But those, those those are the basic kinds of structures that you know can be morphed into any number of variations to suit your your needs. Yeah. Right. Now, we know that you are in the uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Give everybody your website information and um, contact info oh, as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's www.willsandtrust.net. That's W-I-L-L-S-A-N-D-T-R-U-S-T-S dot net. It's mm-hmm. really important to put an S on wills and trusts because otherwise mm-hmm. you won't get it, you know. Right. But you can right. contact me at emitchell at willsandtrust.net. Okay. Uh, my phone number is 202-772-1988. It's 202-772-1988. My fax number is 202 772 3327, and my office is at 1050 Connecticut Avenue, Northwest, Suite 1045, 
Washington, D.C., 20036. Okay. Okay, great. Okay, and I'm now, in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And yes. um, that's wills and trust. That's plural, willsandtrust.net. Trust has an S on it also. Right, right. Yeah, um, and your number is 202-772-1988. Real that's quick right. here, um, about a minute or so left that we have. I tell you, the time goes by so fast. It really does. It really does. <laughs> a, we have to have you on again and perhaps well, have to look you. at doing some segments with you um, on the show. Really. But tell us, uh, maybe if you can, what are for our callers and our listeners um, who are in other states, that you don't uh, are not able to service them, and what are some of the key things they need to look for in finding a good attorney to assist them with this? Well, you definitely want a lawyer that a large proportion of their practice is this. Okay, um, this is their focus. A good focus. This is their focus. Uh-huh. Okay, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if you want a trust, and especially mm-hmm. if you want a business succession plan. A mm-hmm. lot of lawyers, most lawyers will tell you they can do a simple will, okay? Okay, okay. You may, not need, a, you, you may need more than a simple will, okay? Okay. And okay. if a lawyer is really busy in court, in trial, unless they're doing probate court and, you know, this kind of estate planning work, I'd be careful with getting someone to do this because mm-hmm. you want someone who can look at the tax implications of your estate plan. You may not have any. You know, you may not have an estate that's large enough to be subject to estate tax liability, which is great. But a lot of people don't realize that their insurance proceeds are part of their gross taxable estate. And that can bulk up an estate like crazy. There are things that you can do to avoid that you can actually create a irrevocable life insurance trust to receive that insurance policy proceeds, take it out of your estate, and thereby reduce your estate. You see, those are the kinds of nuances that a person that does this all the time would know would to know. advise you to do, you see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a person that mm-hmm. doesn't do this most of the time mm-hmm. may not be as cognizant of them. So Mm -hmm. I would look at that. I would look for a financial planner or advisor who would work with you if it's appropriate to find somebody or to advise you on helping to identify for the lawyer what your assets really are. A lot of Mm -hmm. people don't really know what their assets are. A lot of people come to me and they don't know what their businesses were. And I have hard time getting people to tell me what's their business worth, you know, because I don't know. You know, right. you have to tell me, and the <laughs> IRS is going to come right. in and want to know that. They're going right. to want to know that, you know. Right. right. So right. at least a ballpark figure, you know. Uh, that. So a lot of times your insur- your uh, accountant is another very important professional in the whole estate planning, business succession planning. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. as well. Now let me ask okay. you too uh, also, what, you know, as far as numbers are concerned, what is a, an average amount a person would need to have to, to you know, to think they're to, to, to spend on getting these things put in place, the wills and the trusts and some of the things that we talk about. I know everyone is different, but if you can give them an, an idea of what they would need. I really can't because each mm-hmm situation is different. Mm-hmm. The person with minor children has a t- entirely different circumstance situation. Right, from a right. person where all their beneficiaries and intended uses are, are adults. You know, you know it, it's going right out. They don't have to hold it. They don't have to worry about it. There's nobody to worry about. That's a whole different ball game from right. a person who may have a... There are all kinds of different trusts, too. We didn't even talk about special needs trusts that you may need to to think about if you have a disabled person that receives government benefits. You know, you can protect them from losing those benefits if you do. 
but it really does depend. And not everybody mm-hmm. needs a trust. Mm-hmm. Not everybody mm-hmm. needs a trust. There are a lot of people mm-hmm. that may not need a trust. I'm not one of these people that sell trust all the time. The other right. thing I'd be careful about, I'd be very careful about, is law firms or lawyers that automatically assume that they are going to be your trustee. Okay. I've seen oh, that a lot. Okay. Okay. Where people okay. buy, sometimes they don't even know that their lawyer or their law firm has written themselves in as the personal representative or the co-trustee or the trustee. Wow. Be careful with that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. It's just that they ought to tell you and get your permission and make sure that you know what that means. Okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not trying to imply that if a lawyer does that, that's wrong. I'm just saying that be careful with that. That's all. Be careful. Be careful. Well, I tell you, the time has gone by. We certainly thank you so much for being our very special guest today. You've just tuned in. You've been listening to Ms. Ethel Mitchell, Attorney Ethel Mitchell, with Wills and Trust, that's plural, .net. Uh, You can definitely find her there, Wills and Trust. Dot net at 202-772-1988. And uh, definitely we want to thank you for tuning in to our show today. We want to end our, with our segment from Marcella Malone on our financial planning segment. And today she's going to be talking about insurance for the living. Ethel, thank you so much for being thank our guest today. Thank you for today. having me. I enjoyed oh, it. Thank yes. you. All thank right. You. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. This is Marcella Mullen-Williams with your Wealthy Sisters Wealth Strategy segment. When is the last time you made a note to call your life insurance agent or financial advisor to increase your portfolio of permanent cash value life insurance coverage? Probably never, right? If so, you're not alone. Most people, including business owners, struggle with the idea of spending money on term insurance, let alone permanent cash value life insurance. For one thing, the thought of dying is a best unpleasant, and surely it's a long way off. However, increasing number of people, especially business owners, are beginning to understand that permanent cash value life insurance is really for the living. You don't have to die to use it. With a properly designed permanent cash value life insurance policy, you can combine your need for insurance protection with your desire to accumulate funds to help supplement retirement. You would not only have the protection afforded by the policy's death benefit, you would also begin building a retirement accumulation. Funds contributed to both life insurance policies and qualified retirement plans enjoy tax-deferred buildup, but life insurance offers some additional advantages. First, withdrawals and loans may be taken tax-free, provided that the withdrawals do not exceed the premiums paid into the contract and the policy is kept in force until the insured dies. Now, it's important to note that the policy loans and withdrawals reduces the policy's cash value and death benefit and may result in a taxable event if the policy is surrendered or allowed to lapse. So it is important to keep the policy in force. Also, there are no tax penalties for early withdrawals or mandatory distribution. Pre-retirement loans or distributions may be taken for children's educations, extraordinary purchases, personal emergencies, or business cash flow needs. And optional riders are available, allowing for tax-free accumulated death benefits in the event that the insured person becomes chronically or terminally ill or contracts a critical illness. Based on your objectives, and risk-reward profile, you will be able to select among a variety of permanent cash value policy alternatives, each offering varying degrees of risk and income potential. Today's life insurance products are not your grandfather's life insurance policy. They can be designed to provide the insurance you need, along with the protection you may want against outliving your income and assets. This may require you to revise some of your preconceptions about permanent cash value life insurance. This has been Marcella Mullen-Williams of LBG Financial Services with your Wealthy Sisters Wealth Strategy segment. To begin designing your personal wealth strategy or for more information, visit everybodyneedsinsurance.com or email info at everybodyneedsinsurance.com.
All right. Thanks again so much, Ms. Marcel. I tell you, you can definitely tune in to her as she has our Wealthy Sisters Wealth Strategy segments here. I want to thank each and every one of you for dialing in and in the chat room today and also downloading the show. We trust that you have gotten everything out of this. It's been a fantastic show. If you just tuned in, definitely go back and find us there on iTunes, on the Wealthy Sisters. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and stay tuned the next week. We will have another dynamic, powerful show that will continue to help you in your business and your life. Thanks again, and as always, we wish you and yours the best of everything great. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by the professional black woman, turning your concepts into cash. Join Deborah Hardnett, our host next week, as she interviews another powerful, progressive, and positive sister, and visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. That's www.wealthysistas.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.